Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. It's been six weeks, approximately, since Natalie Holloway disappeared on the island of Aruba. And there's been a lot of flurry, but um, nothing really um, concrete that has happened in the way of finding her and or getting justice. She's still missing in Aruba. Today, my guest is Natalie's uncle, Paul Reynolds, and he is here to give us the inside story. You know, on the, um, you may well have seen Paul as well as uh, Natalie's mother on a lot of the television shows, but um, unfortunately, uh, in, it's the nature of television to not really be able to uh, get into things on a very in-depth level. So today we have uh, the next hour. You can. Uh, Put your sit back, put your feet up on Dr. Carol's couch, and um, listen to Paul Reynolds tell the story in a way that um, that he is best at in terms of trying to make sense of so many things that don't make sense. I had a chance to talk with him yesterday, and it's really um, we really don't know much of the story. The media doesn't really tell us um, half of the story and some of the most important aspects of the second half we're missing. And so, Paul, uh, first of all, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And um, my my sympathies um, with all that you and, and uh, Natalie's mother have been going through, not only missing with Natalie being missing for all these weeks, but uh, the frustrations that you've been having to deal with to try to get some kind of accountability I actually, this story has just captivated me, and I wake up every morning and go to the Internet and try to find out what is the next thing that has happened. And it's just, as an outsider, um, I've just been feeling so incredibly frustrated that justice does not seem to be being done. And certainly from your viewpoint, um, living this nightmare, it must be incredibly uh, worse. It has been difficult, uh first thing I would like to do is express my appreciation for all of the support and prayers and uh, sympathy that, that our family has received from uh, people just everywhere, from down in Aruba uh, to the United States. Uh, I've talked to families in London, and my sister has even received a, uh, phone calls from Jerusalem, uh, mm-hmm. people expressing their, uh, you know, their compassion and uh, hopes that uh, Natalie can be found and returned to her home. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that it's so important to um, that we keep aware of these kinds of things. I mean, so much of the news is is disastrous. I mean, the London attacks, for example. It's really so comforting to know. Um, we, we all need to keep this in mind that there are still, uh, even though there are some people in the world who. Um, are destructive. There are still so many people. Most people really are are compassionate like this and reach out across uh, countries to to share that with you. That that is a very positive. <laughs> that's something really positive that is coming out of this so far. Well, why don't you take us back um, to the beginning? 
I know you've been, you went to Aruba two days after she was reported missing. You were there, uh, for eight days. You've been in constant contact with your, uh, sister, Natalie's mother. And, um, why don't you take us through, because as you were telling me yesterday, uh, because so many things are, are turning into dead ends, you're being forced to sort of go back and rethink about some of the things that happened to try to find another uh, path towards the answers. Okay. Uh, she was reported, that, well, she was on her graduation trip uh, down in Aruba over Memorial Day weekend. My family had uh, met together for a family reunion up in Arkansas uh, that very same weekend. Everyone was there except Natalie, and of course we were all very excited for her uh, for her graduation and her trip. That uh, you know we knew she was having fun on, and of course her future with her. She has a scholarship to the University of Alabama. Uh, just everything going for her, and uh, it was as we were returning home Monday. Uh, beginning our drive home, our various our uh, respective drives home, we started mm-hmm. receiving the phone calls that Natalie was missing, and she had missed her flight. Uh, of course, that's that's when this all began, and uh, you know we were at that point all trying to get to Aruba to uh, see what you know we could do and what we needed to do. Uh, amazingly, my sister and her husband, Jug, were able to arrive on the island uh, late that evening. And uh, they were able to identify the individuals that she had been seen last with. Uh, three. Yes. That part is amazing. How did she uh, do that so quickly? It was uh, uh, with the assistance of several different people. Uh, I know she made a lot of phone calls and, and some close friends of Hers made some phone calls. Uh, they were contacting U.S. officials and uh, were actually met on the island by a U.S. official that was stationed there on the island. Mm. And uh, he helped uh, in this process along with some people that he knew. And they were able to view some videotapes that were taken there and uh, talk to the chaperone and just some people they knew there and were able to... Uh, uh, identify the primary suspect. View videotapes from Carlos and Charlie's, or uh, of course I wasn't there with them, but I think it was Carlos and Charlie's. I think it was at the uh, hotel, possibly at the casino. Uh, the primary suspect, Yaron Vandersloot, was a regular customer at the uh, casinos and uh, quite well known. And uh, I know that one of the individuals was being interviewed. Uh, uh, on a television program, and he stated that uh, he went to the beach area, which is adjacent to the hotels where the kite boarders go. And he began asking the kids there on the beach uh, about the car they were seen in, and they were able to tell him who who the owner was, and uh, uh, they even showed him where the this individual lived. Hmm. So they were actually able to arrive at that home. Now, are you talking about... Are you talking about Joran now or the Calpo brothers? Well, this was uh, Joran. Okay. But I thought that the um, the car, I thought that the car that that Natalie went in was owned by the Calpo brothers. Well, I I, I think that's correct, uh, and I can't really tell you exactly how that 
identification mm-hmm. process linked mm-hmm. those two together. But uh, I, I suspect that those kids knew that uh, the Cowper brothers and Yaron were close friends. Mm-hmm. And somehow that association was made. Uh-huh. And, uh, but in, in any event, uh, you know, they did arrive at the Vandersloot home late that evening, kind of... Uh, the best time I have is around 11 o'clock. So you uh, mean like not even 24 hours after she left the after she was last seen? Actually, probably less than 12 hours hmm. because she was last seen about 1 or 1.30 Monday morning, right. leaving Carlos and Charlie's, and she arrived at the Vandersloot house around you know 11 or 12 that very same night. Mm-hmm. Wow. So go ahead. They uh, you know, apparently honked the horn, trying to get someone to come outside. Eventually, Yoran's uh, 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 father came outside, and they talked to him. You know, asked him where Yoran was, and he told them that uh, he was at the casinos gambling. Uh, which, of course, y- you have to wonder why a seventeen-year-old is a is a regular gambler when. Uh, Eighteen is the legal age there, but uh, in yeah. any event, they they all left the home and went to the casino area, and uh, he wasn't there. But uh, shortly after arriving there, apparently Yaron called his father on the cell phone and told him he was at home. So then they all jumped back in the car and went back. Well, to the- well did the father go with um, Natalie's parents to the? Uh, casino to look for him? Yes, it was, uh, as I understand it, it was, uh, the father went with them, the police, and, uh, there was, there were several people. I don't, again, I wasn't there, so I don't know yeah. exactly how many people or exactly how many cars, but, uh, okay. They all went to the casinos, and then with the phone call from Yaron, went back to the house, and the report I have is that Yaron and one of the Cowper brothers was standing, it was, Outside, leaning, leaning against the car, I guess the silver car here, the gray car, and uh, waiting on them to come back. And I know there was some sort of, there were some conversations and uh, went on for some time. You know, in, in retrospect, uh, you know, we're, I'm very concerned, we're very concerned that no one uh, went into the home to look for Natalie, and of course there was no search warrant at that time, but, uh, you know, what I'm told is that the, the Vandersloots refused to allow anyone to go into the home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it would have been very interesting for someone, in, in retrospect, someone should have stayed at the home yes. while they all went to the casino. Yes, because your thinking is that Natalie may well have been inside at the time. I, I can't help but think that's a possibility. Yes, that's especially the way uh, he called his father to say that he was back at home. That seems a little suspicious. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> okay, well, stay. We'll, we'll continue with this story. Um, stay tuned. We're talking with Paul Reynolds. He's the uncle of Natalie Holloway, who is still missing in Aruba. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet talk radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about Natalie Holloway, who is still missing in Aruba, and we're getting the inside story, the whole story, from Paul Reynolds, who is her uncle and who has been um, trying, doing whatever he can do to help as well. Um, before the break, Paul, you were telling us about how it's just amazing to me that they that her parents mobilized that quickly and were able to uh, to track down the suspects, you know, so quickly uh, and get to the house of urine. Um, and you were talking about the possibility that uh, that that you were that they were sent off on a wild goose chase to check out the casino when perhaps urine was inside all the time with Natalie um, and or, I mean, I hate to, you know, be, obviously we have to consider with her body. Um, so, so, 
um, I was suggesting off the air just now, um, why didn't they look at the video camera tape from the casino to see whether he had ever been there? And um, why don't you go ahead with, with that? I don't know that that was ever done. I, I don't think we really even thought that he was actually at the casino because it's such a short drive from the home to the casino, I would say less than 10 minutes. And uh, it just, uh, I don't think anyone in our family just believed he was there. I don't think right. we, we knew where he was. Uh, certainly we, we hope that the investigators uh, have questioned the family about that, but we don't really know. Okay, so why don't you continue? Then what happened next? Well, they, uh, uh, everyone apparently left. Uh, there was no search of the house done. Uh, the family did uh, refuse to allow anyone to come in. Uh, the I know that the boys were brought in for questioning. Uh, I wasn't there. I think it was the next day they were brought in. It was very shortly thereafter. And their story, as I understand it, was that they had dropped Natalie off at the hotel uh, about, uh, you know, around, I don't think, I don't, I'm not even sure they gave a time, but they dropped her off that night at the hotel, and they're saying she got out of the car. Well, it was within a day or two of that that the they had had an opportunity to review the surveillance cameras at the hotel to determine that that was not true. They had not brought her back to the hotel, and it became clear at that point that the boys were lying. And uh, and nothing really seemed to be done with that. Uh, they they knew they were lying, but uh, you know they're from a an influential family. Uh, both of them, are, both the brothers and your honor, from influential families there in Aruba. Really? The brothers also? Well, in, in what way? Well, their family is, uh, it's been reported that they own a rental car company in Aruba, which, you know, I think is a, is a good business. And, uh, not influential in a way that, uh, the Vandersloot family is by being a member of the judicial system, mm-hmm. but, uh, just, uh, having money. <laughs> a well to do family, yes. Yes, actually, in one of the television um, programs that I saw where they interviewed their mother at their home, it did seem like a relatively um, luxurious um, home. Um, I, I, there actually, do you happen to know, one of the things that, that I was curious about was um, the, mother talk, the, the mother of the two brothers talked about how the two brothers had been raised for most of their life for many years with their grandmother, do you know why that is, where their father is, and, and what their family situation is? No, I, I don't know much about that. Uh, I really haven't heard or read anything about uh, their their family life. Okay. Okay, so go ahead. I didn't mean to sort of go off on a tangent. It's just it's something, I mean, I always, as a psychiatrist, of course, I always lo- like to look into um, the family structure to see what these what they would be capable of, and of course, similarly with urine, I think there's um, probably a lot of interesting, just from seeing the family um, relate to each other, the parents, it seems like there would be some, a lot of, a lot of interesting material there, perhaps, uh, like 
in terms of them being a rather dysfunctional family. Uh, well, I don't know. Do you know? While we're talking about this, is, do you are you aware of anything there? Um, the mother being off in, she was supposedly back in the Netherlands at the time, and um, they. She had said that the father was sleeping and that urine had snuck out. Um, I don't know. It, it, it certainly does seem like they let him run wild. Well, what was described to me was that he had his own apartment area either at the home or adjacent to the home. So he seemed to have a lot of independence. And That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> As opposed to my saying they let him run wild, but okay. <laughs> but it, you know, we've, we've heard, of course, that he was uh, uh, a frequent visitor to the casinos and the clubs. and uh, I've even heard reports that, his, that he and his father would go together to the casinos. Mm. But, uh, you know, kind of to, to get back to the yeah. kind of to the storyline, you know, the, the boys yeah. were, were questioned and it became... After viewing the tapes, it became clear they were they were lying. Uh, about this time period was when uh, other family members began to arrive. Uh, I think that was the tapes were reviewed about when she was missing on Monday. The tapes were reviewed. Uh, I think Tuesday. Uh, I, I arrived on Wednesday. Natalie's father arrived, and uh, his brother and brother-in-law arrived Wednesday, and. We were all converging to uh, you know, try to see what we could do and see what we could find out. And then at the same time, uh, there was an FBI agent that was there when I arrived. And uh, as we were kind of settling in or trying to get our bearings there, uh, more FBI agents began to arrive and more media were coming in. By Friday... Uh, most every media was represented there on the island. Mm. All the family had arrived. Uh, you know, we were in constant meetings trying to see if there were any developments. And uh, I don't know the exact day. I think it was that first weekend that the uh, there was some sort of incident at a hotel that was under construction. And there was some sort of uh, the police were over there investigating it and looking for something. There were, there were lots of leads. There were that week. There were actually literally hundreds of leads that were coming in hmm. from people spotting Natalie. They said, hmm. "You mean that they were still spotting her?" All over the island were phone calls coming in saying that she was seen here, hmm. she was seen there, and uh, the police believed at that point that she was out just. Mm. Uh, partying, just uh, having a good time. They expected her to be found, and one of the one of the first strategies that the police told us was that uh, they thought this was a choice that she had made. That uh, she just wanted to stay on the island and wanted to party with her new friends, and they increased the police staffing at night because. They figured she only showed up at night because so many people were looking for her, so they were going to be able to catch her at night with the increased mm. police staffing. And, of course, we were we thought that was incredible that they thought that this was, was a choice for Natalie uh, based mm-hmm. on her character and uh, our experience with her and our knowledge of her. We knew that this was not a choice. Mm-hmm. 
be determined that that was the case, that she would show back up. And uh, you know, th- this went on for several days and, you know, as the media is coming in and then this sighting at this hotel under construction came and then all of a sudden, and I think it was about Sunday or about there, I don't know the exact day, they arrested uh, the two security guards. And they did that based on the allegation of the three original suspects that they had dropped her off and they had seen two security guards, uh, two black security guards that they thought might, might have taken her. So they arrested them and, you know, we the family thought there was some, we didn't know exactly why they arrested them at that time, but we thought there was some information they had that we weren't aware of that, you know, they were on the, the right trail to find her and find out what happened. But then it was, you know, several days went by and it became started becoming clear to everyone that these two security guards couldn't be tied to her in any way. They weren't working. Uh, they weren't even in the area. Uh, it just didn't make any sense. And, uh, you know, we went back to the police and, uh, you know, we're asking about the if this doesn't make sense with these two security guards, what about the original three suspects that were seen with her, admitted being with her, uh, and were and obviously are lying about where they left her? You know, it seemed logical to us that these three guys need to be questioned again. Right. Uh, finally, uh, that next Thursday morning, they did arrest the three. Uh, original suspects, or at least took them into custody. They have different terminology there uh, for that detainment. Now, you were telling me that um, you had told them that this was because your family had gotten some information that she may have been raped. Uh, and, of course, there's the um, there's the break. Um, well, I guess we'll have to get, get to that in the next uh, segment of the show. My guest today is Paul Reynolds. He is the uncle of Natalie Holloway, who is still missing in Aruba. Um, hopefully, we can get some kind of uh, information on this, and the, the goal is also some kind of justice. But um, we will continue with the story when we get back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and get ready to do some serious crust busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on VoiceAmerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for Crust Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have a nationally known guest that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm speaking today with Paul Reynolds, the uncle of Natalie Holloway, who is still missing in Aruba, and of course we're hearing uh, the real story um, that gets left out of sound bites. And um, Paul, you were telling us about uh, how they finally arrested the three men, the three suspects, um, after, only after your family, I mean you had told me that in part yesterday when we talked, um, after your family had said that at the very least um, they had committed rape. Now how I actually had read... Um, I don't know if this is connected and how, where you got, what information you had to, uh, to, uh, about that. But I had read a report about, uh, there having been panties and condoms found on a beach. Was that sort of the same, was that what you were going by or was there something else? Uh, what we had heard were some early reports that in the initial questioning with the boys that there was some, uh, out, well, Statement to the effect that uh, you know there there had been sex involved that they had one or more of the boys had had sex with her and you know as as Natalie's family you know knowing her history uh, knowing how she uh, how she uh, acted uh, just based on that you know, Natalie was not a a promiscuous girl. Uh, she did not go out and party. She did not go out and uh, she did not date. She was very focused on on her goals and objectives, her grades. She was a straight-A student. She was involved in numerous uh, honorary and charitable organizations. Uh, you know, she was 
active in the dance team. Just a, a very, I think, unusual person, a very unusual teenager, uh, striving to meet her life objectives. And uh, you know, the report that the we had heard the boys made, we felt like was an attempt to uh, cover themselves in the event she was found to explain, you know, what what we think they may have done. And, uh, you know, if, if they claim to have had sex with her and if that's true, we are pretty much convinced that, you know, the activity they have, we would call that rape. Uh, we do not think it would be consensual if it if it occurred. But again, those are reports that we had, and the, the information that we have received has been so confusing that it's, it's difficult to determine what is true and what is not. Mm-hmm. Yes, I read something about how Yorin was trying to say that she was coming on to him, and and actually. Um, he was saying that she had had drugs and alcohol, and what seems to me all, all along, or as this has been unfolding, to be sort of the most likely scenario is um, his having or their having, uh, the three of them, um, certainly him, uh, slipped something into her drink, and um, like a date rape drug or something, and perhaps that plus the alcohol um, put her into a state that they, where she did overdose and where they could rape her and, and, um, you know, where she wasn't able to think as clearly as she would normally do. What do you think about that? We certainly think that's a possibility. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of numerous scenarios that we've, we've considered. You know, looking at Yaron's, uh, his background, his family, you know, we don't think that he would have Done something uh, intentionally. We we don't really think this would something would, would have been premeditated. Right. And, and if something did occur, if an accident did occur, even of the nature that you just described, you know, we would want uh, Yaron to come forward and and be honest and you know just admit what happened. And I think that would be much better uh, than. You know, going forward with a lie, and people can only uh, at this point they can only speculate as to what happened. You know, I think I think if someone is trying to protect him from this situation, I, th- I think they're actually causing him more harm. I think that uh, his life would be uh, hurt worse by hiding this than it would by coming forward and you know helping uh, you know our family with with some closure and, and helping everyone know what happened and allow us all to move forward in our lives. And I think Yaron could even move forward in his life. Right. Well, I know. Ideally, that would be the best thing. But, um, yes, I, I did, I don't, I'm not saying that it was an intentional thing either. I think, I mean, what was intentional was probably getting her into a state so that they, she wouldn't be able to resist them one or more of them having sex with her, but I don't uh, think that anybody wanted to kill her. But, um, again, you know, her, his father, as we know, told him if there's no body, uh, without a body, the police don't have a case against you. 
and so I guess he's thinking that he, if he can just ride this out um, and they can't find the body in, in a certain number of days, 116 is it, I think, right, that they can hold him for? Something like that. Um, that then he'll be let free. I think that's what they're, what they're going under. Is, what do you think? Well, the, the fact that the father gave him that advice causes us a great deal of concern. Uh, I was uh, speaking to some people in Aruba, and they said, well, isn't, isn't it your right to receive legal advice? Well, it is your right, but why would you need that kind of advice unless you had committed a crime? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but the fact that the father said that, makes us think that he has some knowledge that the body would be hard to find and mm-hmm. seems confident that it uh, that it wouldn't be hard to find. And, of course, we can't help but go back to the first night when my sister showed up at the house mm-hmm. uh, and, and the confusion that ensued. It just causes us a great deal of concern about uh, whether or not she might have been in the house at the time. Yes, for... How uh, how tragic, if that were true. I mean, how, it's just such a sad picture, her mother outside. and uh. Now, one of the things that you were talking to me about yesterday was um, the confession that seems to have been swept under the rug. Why don't you tell us about that? Look, the boys were taken into custody that Thursday morning, and uh, we assume questioning began at that point. Uh, late Friday night, we saw that there was uh, a report of a confession. And uh, it's, I'm not sure I have exactly what was said, but something of the nature that one of the boys said something bad happened. I don't know uh, which one said that. And then another one, uh, another official, and this was the spokesperson for the Ministry of Justice, confirmed that Natalie was dead. Hmm. And, uh, the the other report was from the deputy police commissioner that uh, one of the boys said something bad had happened, and they said that uh, the investigation was at a crucial point. And also, the FBI had come to my sister that afternoon uh, to Beth and told her that uh, they had reason to believe that uh, Natalie may be dead. And although I wasn't in that meeting, I don't know the exact words that were used, I know that based on that meeting, my sister called uh, our mother and mm. told her she thought Natalie was dead, and mm. uh, you know, our family began that grieving process uh, at that point, believing the report. Uh, but later that night, uh, or maybe midnight or so, Friday night, there became, retractions began, saying that it wasn't true, that there was miscommunication, um, Whatever, a very confusing time, very emotional and distressful time. Uh, the next morning, there's another report that Natalie is confirmed dead, and then it's retracted again. Hmm. Uh, it, at the time, we were thinking that because in Aruba they don't, don't release information to the investigation, we thought it could be true, but they didn't want to release it yet. We thought they were still in processing the interrogation and didn't want to compromise it. And so no one really said anything. No one really followed up on that. No one really questioned it. Uh, you know, we just, uh, I guess we just accepted it at face value at that time. It was, 
So, you know, we kept moving forward, and it was shortly thereafter they, they released the uh, security guards. They had apparently had no reason to keep them in the custody. And, uh, you know, from, from that point on, we've just, uh, you know, we knew they were in custody, and we thought the investigation was continuing. And um, since then, you've come to particularly suspect that the chief of police um, seems to be having a big hand or the main hand in in uh, thwarting uh, all your efforts to find her and to have this evidence, um, these confessions, this information brought out. Well, the you know the first thing we knew the FBI agents were there, and so we had a level of confidence that they were investigating the case. The Prime Minister of Aruba had assured us uh, that everything would be done, that no one would be above the law. Uh, numerous U.S. officials were contacting my sister and assuring her that uh, you know, every resource would be available. But then, after a while, we began to hear that the FBI was not allowed to participate. They were just there at an advisory capacity. And you found out that it was the chief of police who was stopping all of this. Well, that that comes up in just a little bit. Okay, well, we'll be back (laughs) to uh, continue the story. When we come back from the break, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Paul Reynolds. He is the uncle of Natalie Holloway, who is still missing in Aruba. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Garay, president of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. 
Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. We're talking today with Paul Reynolds, the uncle of Natalie Holloway, who is still missing in Aruba. And uh, Paul is telling us the inside story, which is a lot more complicated and disturbing than um, what we're hearing in the media, which is already disturbing enough. Um, but what's particularly disturbing is how how the uh, how justice is being thwarted in so many different ways, and how it seems like people are are still lying and getting away with it. So why don't you continue the story where we left off? Well, we became concerned when we heard the FBI was becoming frustrated and not allowed to participate beyond an advisory level. We uh, knew that the Minister of Justice had invited the FBI to come in, so we thought everything was clear. Uh, we couldn't understand it. But at the same, at the same, about that time, we had. Uh, uh, been introduced to a, a private search team called Texas EquiSearch uh, that was uh, willing to go to Aruba and uh, search for Natalie. Uh, it, it's a great group of people. The founder uh, founded this organization because of a loss he experienced several years ago. But in, in talking to the director while he was on the island, uh, he was telling me of his frustration, the uh, Chief of Police was denying them access to the Vandersloot property. Mm. You know what? What a perfect place to mm. go look for mm. the missing person. And uh, I knew that the Prime Minister had requested the Dutch Marines to assist EquiSearch. And again, Tim told me that the Chief of Police specifically was stopping that. He was not allowing the Marines to work with EquiSearch, and he was sending the Marines off to some place that he wanted to be searched. Mm. And uh, there, there were a couple of occasions where the chief told, chief of police told EquiSearch he wanted them to go to certain areas to search, and he was going to have an officer there to meet them, to show them uh, the area, and the officer never showed up. So EquiSearch had the feeling that they were being sent off on mm. uh, some sort of wild goose chase to possibly frustrate them, uh, deter them from a more productive search or, or whatever. And, you know, the, those, it began to uh, appear to me that the chief is, is directing many of these things. Apparently he had control of the Marines. We suspect he's the one that denied the FBI uh, for their access. Uh, you know, he was responsible for not allowing them to uh, search abandoned property. That, that's still the case today. Well, the property, I thought, didn't they come and confiscate their cars? Or... There was some sort of search the police did uh, uh, back when they were taken into custody. 
and I don't know what all was done. I think the police are saying they searched the property, but why wouldn't you let the volunteer search yes. group come in? Is there? Yes. I can't help but wonder: are you are you hiding something? Yes, that's right. I mean, why not? If there was nothing to hide. And then last week, the uh, as my family was complaining to the chief about the investigation, he simply told them, "If you don't like what I'm doing, I'll just stop the whole thing." So, I'm more and more. I'm wondering, you know, what his role is and why he's doing the things he's doing. Absolutely. So what is your family planning to do next? Well, of course, right now we're waiting on the uh, ruling from the appeals. The, the appeals were heard today, and we're expecting a ruling Thursday, and that will determine whether or not Yaron is to, continues to be held in custody and, uh, if the Calper brothers will come back to custody, into custody or stay free. Uh, but there was one other development this week, that one of the newspapers in Naruba now has come out with one of the confessions again back from June 10th. Uh, we don't know why they're coming out with it now, but we certainly think it's an interesting development. What do you think might be the reason? You know, we, we don't really know. Uh, maybe... Maybe the pressure is building, that uh, people are wanting to come forward with the truth. You know, we, we don't really know. Well, it's good to see at least that the um, that this newspaper isn't under the control of the chief of police, <laughs> you know, that, that um, and, and the families being influential in different ways, um, that their influence and the chief of police's influence wasn't enough to stop them from publishing this about the confession again. Right. I mean, it is a really, um, are you planning on, now, now, when we were talking just now um, in the break, you mentioned that there is a reward um, that has been offered. You're not sure it's of the exact amount. So it, there was one that was 150000 for her safe return, and, and you think that the current one uh, or in a, another one is 50000 um, at least 50000 for information leading to the arrest of someone? Is that it? Right. Well, the reward started at 50000 and it's been steadily growing. People continue to add to the reward. Uh, you know, I don't know the final amount. I've, I've heard as much as $150,000. Uh, you know, we would encourage people to contact the FBI here in the United States, and uh, if you have any pertinent information that then... Uh, can be used in this investigation. Yes, I would really hope that people would do that. I, I as I said to you um, before um, the show, uh, I think that there is more information that some of the students, her classmates, have that um, who haven't come forward with it. Something maybe they don't even know that it's important, or maybe um, they're afraid of getting their chaperones in trouble, or. Uh, to be quite frank, I mean, 124 kids, and was it seven? They're always the reports give different numbers all the time, but something like that. Um, I mean, maybe you know, maybe they should have had more chaperones, or certainly the chaperones they had should have been more acting like chaperones. Well, in in retrospect, uh, yeah, that certainly sounds like a good idea. I don't know how the uh, trip was set up, and I don't have any more information on that, but uh, I would certainly think twice about sending young people to a foreign country 
essentially unsupervised. I, I would want to see more supervision at this point. Yes, it seemed like the chaperones that went were more like friends than, uh, you know, acted more like friends than than taking enough responsibility, you know. Um, but, yes, of course, this is all easier to say in hindsight. If nothing had happened, then, you know, people wouldn't be thinking like this. But uh, but I was just mentioning it because maybe, you know, some of the students who might have something, some additional knowledge are afraid to come forward because they're afraid of getting their school in trouble or the chaperones in trouble or, or themselves in trouble or, you know, something like that. Well, at this point, we're not looking to blame anyone. We just We just want the truth to come forward and, you know, we want to find out what happened and we just want to bring Natalie home. Yes, well, that would be the, the true... Uh, <laughs> happy ending to this tale, um, that someone just has kidnapped her <laughs> and uh, and will finally let her go. And, and those possibilities are not uh, beyond reach. Uh, certainly as complicated as this case has been, yes. there could have been a kidnapping. Yes. And anyone that, uh, and she could be in a, uh, a local, on a local island or a neighboring yes. country. And anyone that has any information of that nature, please, let us know. Have you been circulating her the flyer with her picture to other islands? We haven't. Uh, we've been hopeful that the media has been reaching uh, yes. the islands. Uh, yes. I know CNN has a, a, a Spanish-speaking channel, and we're hoping that that's reaching Venezuela and Colombia, uh, some of the neighboring yes. countries there. And uh, we just, you know, if she can be found, if she She's saying we just hope that someone will come forward. Yes, and I think maybe it would be a good idea when you do do some of these interviews to um, to publicize a little bit more about the reward because I, I could see that being effective, at least to gather more information um, on those islands. Right, I, I think that's a good idea. Well, Mr. Reynolds, Paul Reynolds, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing this. I hope that there are people out there listening who can contribute some information, please call your local FBI and they will get it to the proper channels. And I wish you well. And, uh, of course, I wish that this story does have a happy ending after all. Um, and if not, that certainly at least that the people who are responsible for the tragedy do, do get justice. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I appreciate everyone's support. Okay. Well, thank you again. That's been Paul Reynolds, the uncle of Natalie Holloway. We'll all be thinking of you and, and um, her mother and the rest of the family. It's just such a such an, a nightmare that you're all going through. That has been the inside story on Natalie Holloway, who is still missing in Aruba. Hopefully we will be able to uh, all discover some kind of happier ending. At the very least, justice would be a happy ending, especially these days. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.